One chance, one life, one take. Little room for mistake. Who do Welcome to the Dead Funny Dead Serious podcast. This is the 30 End of Life Doulas in 30 Days series. My name is Mitzi and I'm your host today. Today, our end of life doula is Michelle Stokolny. I already got it wrong. Dr. Tillman. Michelle, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Michelle is uh, joining us from Canada today, from Winnipeg, Canada. We are just going to go straight into it. Why did you become an end-of-life doula, Michelle? Uh, Well, I've been working with people in grief for nearly 20 years. And one of the things I've noticed during that time is just the immense amount of guilt, regret, frustration, anger that they felt in their grief. And while those are also very normal aspects to having grief, based on their stories, what they told me, what they were going through, their thoughts, I found that, you know, many of it, many of those issues could have been potentially dealt with or fit, like focused on or faced while their loved one was still alive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, between that, as well as, um, you know, spending time with you know loved ones who were dying and being there for them and supporting them on their journey. Um, it's just been a passion of mine to work towards helping people live a good life and also work towards having a good death. It sounds like a little bit of that when you're dealing with people that are already in the grief stage, but they have mm-hmm. unfinished business. Right? Yeah, you, you definitely call it that because, you know, they, they want so much to like revisit what, what they said or what they did or what they think they didn't do or what they didn't say. But they feel like at that point, there's there's no way to resolve those issues or to really heal from them. And so, you know, by shifting over into working as a death doula, I feel like there's more potential to educate and inform and encourage difficult discussions that, you know, would really be helpful for everyone to have, even those who aren't facing life-limiting illnesses. There's just so much space for talking about death and including it in daily conversations and including our children in this, because I find that in our, you know, death-denying society and grief-phobic society, that a lot of us, we, we just kind of shy away from the pain. We don't want to talk about it. We don't, we almost pretend like it doesn't exist until it does. And then when it does, we have no idea how to deal with it. And the discomfort that people feel being around a grieving person, you know, that's something that I think has a great potential to change. There's so much room for us to learn how to be there for people who are grieving, or even to be there for those who are dying without that huge level of discomfort, feeling like we need to fix something. We, we constantly, that's our go-to is to try to fix. But all we really need to do is just be there and be present and listen and and not try to cheer people up or make things better. Yes, holding the space, uh, even when it's uncomfortable. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a hard space to be in. It's hard to even talk about. And I think that's why we don't talk about it enough, probably. Um, But it is an important space, right? So we're not glossing Mm -hmm. over those pieces that are difficult uh, and or avoiding the grieving. Exactly. It happens all too often. And then all of a sudden it comes out 10, 20 years later and people are blindsided by it. And it's almost like they, they enter into that raw deep uh, state of early grief, you know, because it was avoided for so long by keeping too busy, by focusing on other things, you know, instead of going deep and just allowing it to be and being present with your grief. That's, that's really huge and allowing it to take place. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Unprocessed grief uh, will come back. Absolutely. How it's going to look, One way we don't another. know. Yeah, we don't know. I often joke that uh, I think that road rage is unprocessed grief. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> I don't know if that's real. I'm just, you, know, you never know, but it could easily be. It's like, you're just grieving. Like, are you yeah. okay? I don't know. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, I don't say that to them because road rage, but <laughs> okay. So tell me a little bit, your business is the spirit guided path mm-hmm. um, up in Canada. And I know that you did finish your training last year and it was a rough year. We are recording this in you know early 2021. Can you tell us a little bit about how you became a death doula? Yeah, well, I mean, way back in 2003, I completed my counseling training. So that's where a lot of, you know, that work came in. And in January of 2020, I finished training with Douglas College, who is situated out of British Columbia in Canada, but they have uh, the courses all over uh, the nation. Um, so I finished that uh, uh, last January. And then in addition to that, I've taken um, the Compassionate Care course with Palliative Manitoba. I'm a volunteer. Um, you know, I do telephone bereavement services, often, you know, obviously pre and hopefully post pandemic, we're there for the dying to visit and be with the families. But unfortunately, we can't do that right now. Um, And in addition to that, I I love to learn. And so I've taken online dementia care training through the uh, Toronto Alzheimer's Society uh, last year, as well as I'm I'm enrolled in starting to take the LEAP program by Pallium uh, Canada. And even just this weekend, I'm I'm really enjoying this course uh, called Being with Dying, uh, that's offered by the Upaya uh, Institute and Zen Center. It's been absolutely amazing. I just love to learn. I read all the time um, about how to be for, there for the dying and so many different perspectives. There's so many great books written on this and I, I can't recommend them enough. One, can you clarify what the LEAP program is? So that is um, a program through Pallium Canada that you know they actually focus on how to, you know, to really be a support to those who are dying. So really in palliative care versus like maybe, it's not so much directed for death doulas. A lot of physicians will take, a lot of nurses, social workers, anyone that works in the realm of death care should take this program. Um, though it is you know somewhat medically based, there's a lot of good information, especially being a death doula, being comfortable and understanding the process of active dying can really be a help, especially for new death doulas who maybe haven't been with someone who's in active dying. And you know you wanna be a support to the family who may uh, react to certain um, you know, signs or symptoms that their loving, their, their dying loved one might endure during that time. And so this is a great program to help you become not just aware of it, but to become more confident with uh, the process of active dying. Excellent. And uh, one you. of the things I love about it most, yeah, one of the things I actually wanted to say I loved about it most was that they really say that palliative care shouldn't start, obviously, like when, when someone is in the, the last six months of their life, it should start the moment that they're enduring any type of life-limiting illness or even just a chronic illness. It doesn't have to be life-limiting to uh, start being connected with palliative care, to have that support throughout those uh, those uh, changes in your life. You know, palliative care has a space and, and everyone needs to talk about it more and really soften that conversation about palliative care because it is so excellent that I have a personal experience where uh, when my stepfather was ill and they were choosing what to do with this illness. And I was out of town, I lived in a different state. And so I asked my sisters, I'm like, ask for a palliative care um, consult. And the doctor came in and said, how did you know to ask for me? Wow. (laughs) And I was like, holy moly, I was on, I was on like FaceTime, you know? (laughs) And I was like, oh, and she's like, nobody ever asked for me. That's amazing. 
Yeah. And so it's really important to have this conversation. So thank you for bringing that up. And Leap sounds like an amazing program. And if that's online, everyone should take it. And yeah. if I can find that link, I will put that on our resources because yes, <laughs> yes, really important, right? For the death toll is to know what active dying looks like, mm -hmm. um, right? It helps reduce the anxiety in a room if you have some answers. We got to, you did a lot of training, even working with grief for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And uh, thank you for sharing all the trainings that you went through. So what are the challenges now? I mean, you did this, a lot of this training online. So what have the challenges been? Well, I mean, the, the learning has been great. I can't recommend it enough. I've really um, been grateful to have the opportunity to spend more time learning and gathering information and resources. Um, that's one of the things I can't recommend enough to all death doulas, have your resources ready and available uh, so that, you know, if they need a referral to anyone, I'm also an animal companion death doula. I work with animals and humans, so that's fun. And so, um, for instance, I, I'm hosting a Zoom session next week uh, about companion animal death care because we have a veterinarian who will come to your home and help with the vigil and other plans. And then we have someone who offers aquamation, which isn't even um, available for humans here yet in Manitoba. So, you know, having those conversations and allowing people to know what else is, what other options there are, that is a great um, thing to have as a death doula, resources, uh, options, and information. You just can't have enough of it. Other challenges, of course, during the pandemic is that we cannot, you know, most of us cannot be with the families right now. So that has been difficult. So I'm, I'm hosting online uh, death cafes and offering grief circles just for, you know, not to replace, uh, you know, obviously like uh, supportive uh, grief counseling or therapy, but to have a safe welcoming space for people just to talk about their grief, to have a, a space to be heard, which is one of the biggest things I think as a griever is to be heard, um, you know, and that's something I've had personal experience with very recently. Uh, and, and, you know, being that griever, uh, you know, that person on the other side of grief and, and enduring it myself, um, I found, you know, wow, do a lot of people not want to be around someone who's grieving and do they not know what to say? So there's a lot of room there for working on that. Um, so in terms of, you know, other challenges, um, it's important to get out there what death doulas are doing and who we are and how we, um, you know, can bridge the gap in, you know, there's the medical world that's very necessary. There's the supportive world um, for counselors and therapists that's very necessary, but we need some, you know, that, that other person that's in there helping the families as a non-medical support that helps them to plan and prepare Advanced care planning is something that people say we should do, but very few actually do it until they need to. And sometimes by the time they need to, it's too late. And so they don't have um, their person chosen. Uh, in, in my province, we have a healthcare director that states your proxy who can make the healthcare decisions for you. But unfortunately, all too often, by the time that someone needs that, they haven't written, they haven't uh, assigned that person. And so it, it actually creates... Um, a great difficulty for the family. I cannot recommend advanced care planning enough. In Canada, we have uh, something called Speak Up, which help. like you can get a little booklet or you can do it online. It gives you everything that you need to advanced care plan the, you know, uh, information that you need so that your family isn't left either fighting about it or worried that they're making the wrong decisions or that they're, they're doing something or making a choice that would really go against what you really wanted. All the advocacy for advanced care planning that we possibly can do. Uh, I think the last time I looked, the numbers, it might have been 
Simply for America, but it was about 36% of people uh, had mm-hmm. their advanced care paperwork done. And I think that my group that we were talking about it with was surprised it was that many. I, I actually am surprised too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not sure. And if, you know, whoever's listening to this, it is not just for older age, it is for every single person. Anyone 18 and above uh, should have their advanced care planning done. And if we just think about it as caring for others, right? Caring for our loved ones, because putting them in that position um, adds a lot of trauma to something that is already going to be traumatic, right? Any loss, already terrible. Um, but if they have to make all these decisions and they don't know, the you know the guilt and the shame that comes with that is just, whoo. So care for your people. It's fairly easy. And if you have lovely people like Michelle, you can, you know, kind of get that done and, you know, have somebody to help you yeah. do it. There's a lot of people out there that want to help with that. Absolutely. And and I, I do believe, I don't have it offhand, but I do believe studies have shown that people who advance care plan, they tend to live more fully and feel more free because they don't have that looming worry about who's going to care for me or, you know, what could possibly happen. They face a lot of those fears about death and dying because, the, you know, you have to write things down and you can't obviously plan for every scenario, but having a general idea of what you would like and what you wouldn't like at the end of life, you know, even if you're a perfectly healthy person at this time, uh, and, and revisit it every year and change it as you need to. Uh, but it can really help you feel less, you know, worried about the future. And that really helps us to live well now. And that's that's huge. Yeah, uh, definitely. And it is a living document. So you can change it mm-hmm. uh, at will. Um, and the only caveat I always tell my groups uh, when I help people with advanced care planning is just make sure you know who has it uh, and what version you had. So um, (laughs) yeah, I'll try to link that all the resources for that on um, our website as well, because I think that's a really important piece to get those done. Mm -hmm. So what, so those are some challenges, right? Just letting people know that death doulas exist, um, what you can do, how you can help. Uh, What are your hopes for either your business or the death doula, you know, calling? Yeah, I mean, I, I really hope that with more of us out there educating and informing and even being hosts of death cafes or hosting, I, we have a, um, an annual uh, national event called the Swan Song Festival that is put on by uh, Community Death Care Canada, that I'm, I'm a local team host for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just these kind of events that encourage people to gather and to talk about death and dying without it being scary and ominous, just open conversations, just recognizing that we can talk about it. And it doesn't have to mean that we're, uh, you know, something bad is going to happen. I think there's, there's this fear that if I talk about it, I'm inviting it. And it's not that at all. We just, it's a part of life. And when I think that as death doulas, you know, the ultimate goal is to make it, um, you know, death and dying become as natural a conversation as, you know, pregnancy and birth, they, they're transitions. They are life transitions that we all are going to go through at some point. And so not talking about them, it, it, it's doing us a disservice to this life. It's not helping anything. And it creates these, um, especially if we've gone through um, loss as ch- children and weren't taught by the adults in our life how to handle loss, how to handle grief or death or dying, you know, that just con- continues to cascade down the family line. And we just want people to understand that it's healthy, it's normal, and we need to talk about it. Yeah. 
Ooh, it's a lot. Um, it is. <laughs> so I know. So let's just educate everyone. Like that's yeah. that's our. That's all. That's all I want. <laughs> just everyone to know no what pressure. there there is. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure, but we just yeah, need right. everybody to know this and everybody that's to right. listen. Okay. Um, so I mean, share this with all of your friends, and uh, I have never heard of the swan song. Uh, it's relatively new we're going into the third year but you know the last two have been you know it's it's getting out there and um especially in provinces like british columbia and ontario their death doulas are a bit more prominent there um like you know there are more everywhere but uh you know it's emerging it's emerging it's yeah. not completely uh, i would say well known yet unfortunately yeah i wish i was closer i would totally be there well um, hey, it's gonna be online this year so i'll send you uh, an invite <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, and I let's share that with everybody that's listening. If if everyone's invited to go, um, let's get them all there. Because the more that we can have these conversations, uh, the better, right? And gently bringing everybody on board and just knowing that we're safe people to talk to uh, mm -hmm. when they're ready. Amazing. Uh, I just want to thank you again, Michelle. Um, Thanks for having me. It's wonderful. You're welcome. Uh, it was a pleasure. Where should people go to find you? So on Instagram, Facebook, and my website, the name is The Spirit Guided Path. I'm not too hard to find. It's probably easier than trying to find me from my last name. Um, and I am on social media. I love to share posts. Um, I do weekly uh, death doula conversation starters, which is really fun. No one, no one ever posts their answers because, you know, it's, but it, it's about, you know, to have this conversation with your family, you know, it, it's great to have something to work with. And so these kind of things you, you'll see on um, my social media and, uh, and I offer some free sessions like uh, grief circles. And of course the death cafes monthly. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's ways to be involved and to start becoming more comfortable talking about death and dying. Amazing. And can they find your death cafe? Cause now it's on zoom. Correct. Yeah, it's on Zoom. So I mean, we've had people. I, I've had people in Europe join in ours. It's been fun hearing everyone's perspectives. It's been great. Um, so you'll find me on deathcafe.com um, under my name, as well as everything's listed in my website too, and you know, Facebook events. It's not hard to find me at all. Amazing. Yeah, everyone that can make it to the Winnipeg um, time zone death cafe, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I, I have a Facebook page for that too. It's Death Cafe Winnipeg. So there's that. Oh, nice. Yeah, That's, yeah. Everyone go over there and like that page um, and like Michelle over on all of her social media accounts and visit her website. And uh, all those little tidbits will be in the show notes. So thank you again, Michelle, for being here and sharing so your why. And to all of the listeners of this podcast, thank you so much for listening. If this conversation brings value to you, it would mean the world if you liked it, commented, shared, whatever you got to do because it tells us to make more content like this. And that is all, and we will see you in the next